and we're live. Welcome back, lads. This is is this episode seven? Sure. Something like that. So, somewhere in there. This, let's call it episode yeah. seven. This is episode seven of the Zero Oscars podcast. I'm John. I'm Kylan. I'm Eli. And I'm John. <laughs> <laughs> we're you know it. You love them. We're joined by the one and only John Wolfenbarger. I'm a little worried because it's give us a Wolfenbarger supermajority, but it does give us a John majority. So it's sort of uh, my 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 ill ease is uh, brought to rest. You know him as Eli's dad, Kylan's uncle, mm-hmm. and the man who once bought me lunch. He's a hero in short. <laughs> John Wolfenbarger, welcome to the show. Thank you all for having me. I'm glad to be here. I only had to beg Eli three times to get on here. <laughs> what, what did you say that eventually persuaded him and uh, pushed him over the edge to let you on? I, I'm not sure exactly what it was. He just, he, he, he always said, yeah, we'll get you on there. We'll get you on there. And then mm. when my daughter got on there first, I thought, oh, I'm done. He's not <laughs> he knows me too well. He knows I talk too much. That's perfect for this though. <laughs> yeah, this is the format. <laughs> yeah, this is, this is ideal. This is, you found your element. Yes. <laughs> Boys, how have you been since, uh, since we last recorded? Quite well. Been good. Waiting on Ghost of Tsushima to come out. Or is that, get here tomorrow. That's a game, right? I, I oh, yeah. see people online talking about that. What oh, is yeah. that? You're a samurai during the Mongolian invasion of Japan. And you kill people like a samurai does. It looks awesome. Mm. It's going to have a lot of focus, a lot of narrative-driven content, I assume. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. It really, it really expands your <laughs> knowledge of history. Yeah. Uh, and your, your <laughs> sense of the global community. Yeah. It expands your horizons. I have been binge watching Lost again, so that's something yes. I've been doing. Yeah, a great been show. The first season still, but just started mm. a few days ago. Yeah, it was Love a great it. show. Indeed. Yeah. Need to binge watch that again. I haven't really been watching anything in particular. I I watched Dairy Girls. That's finished so that up. Good. Yeah, I guess we we for you we you started watching that with me, right? Mm-hmm. And then went back and finished it that show is very good i started watching with you we started halfway through season one and got halfway through season two so i had to finish the end of season two and then go back and go back to the beginning Mm -hmm. it's it's really strong stuff i i watched a little bit of um let's i'm trying to think i watched a couple movies actually recently i watched um knock down the house the other night i don't know if you guys have seen that it's Mm -hmm. it's a documentary about the 2018 um midterm elections and it's a, there are basically a number of, of progressive candidates that they're trying to uh, put in that are sort of like more like working class or women or people of color. And so it's following like AOC and uh, a West Virginian woman and a woman from the Midwest, a couple of different people who are all trying to sort of vie and challenge like established Democratic candidates mm. to, for, to sort of like uh, just sort of documenting that whole process. It was really, really mm. interesting. I also watched Gladiator, um, which... Ooh. I thought was was pretty good. Yeah. Um, I, I learned about the the unmade sequel to that film. I don't know if you guys know about this. How's there so, a sequel to it? Well, that's a, that's a great question. So, a mild spoiler for a Gladiator, which is I believe eighteen years old. Yeah. Uh, so I don't feel too bad. Uh, he gladiator dies at the end. Yes, yeah. true. <laughs> Maximus dies. So you might say, well, how would they make a sequel to that? It seemed like they wrapped up every narrative thread. Well, well they did. It was unmade. <laughs> well the the solution that they found was that they had written one they'd written a sequel but it didn't involve any of the characters from the original mm. and russell crowe was like 
he's like, I don't really like that because I want to be in the movie. So he hired a new writer. I believe, what was his name? Some musician, Nick, uh, like I want to say like Nick Cave or somebody like that. Yeah. I don't really know who that is. Um, but he hired him to write a, a screenplay, which is a time travel movie where Maximus, <laughs> I, I forget all the elements, but there, there's a heavy tra- time travel, like assassination component built into it. And a, it okay. seemed like it was going to be really crazy. It was a, a very much a genre bending sequel, mm-hmm. but uh, it never came to fruition. But that movie was Bad. good. Um, but yeah, that's, that's what I've been watching. If I if I may share one other thing before mm-hmm. we get into the real part of why we're here, which is of course staying alive, yeah. starring John Travolta, you might notice uh, the the background of my my room has changed slightly in that I have this this yes. blanket that I've just strung up over uh, my my window and blinds. Mm-hmm. That was because two nights ago at three thirty in the morning, I I violently awoke here to hear a loud knocking on my window. Was it Chandler? It, so I, I go, I woke up, I went, ah! And then I, <laughs> I got out of bed. It was like, it was a pretty quick turnaround. Like, I think it was like maybe 10, 15 seconds after I heard mm-hmm. the knocking. I got up, I like braced myself mentally. I went and I like, like, peer, like opened the blinds to like look through and no one was there. <laughs> so I went outside my apartment building as you do at 3.30 in the morning. And I was like mm-hmm. looking for clues and trying to find who was doing this. <laughs> I didn't find anyone. I did. The only interesting components maybe is that I saw a woman sitting in the car, in a car, in the parking lot. She was the only one. She was alone. But she was sitting in the passenger seat of the car, but there was no one in the driver's seat. And she, we made eye contact. I almost went over and was like, hey, you know anything about this? <laughs> but I decided to opt against it. Um, <laughs> if it was a video game, that would be the clue that I would obviously follow right. up with. Yeah. But, yeah. <laughs> I, if it happens again, so I strung that up because I was like, they can just see me sleeping if they mm. decide to strike again, uh, and I'm not, I'm not about that, you know. So I, I did what I had to do. A good plan. Uh, but that's what's been happening in my life, anyways. <laughs> uh, staying alive. Mm. It's a film. It's a film. We watched it. Uh, in the hit sequel to Saturday Night Fever, John Travolta dances his way to the New York stage. Guess what? I got a job on Broadway. Way to go, Monero! But a sizzling affair with a beautiful dancer sparks a bitter romantic triangle. I can always be second choice. You're not. I am when you know I am. But we did it. Don't mean nothing to you. We met. I liked you. We made it. What do you think it was? True love. Everybody uses everybody. Don't. What you have is anger and a certain intensity, and that's what I need to make this show work. Everybody uses everybody, don't they? Cynthia Rhodes and Fanola Hughes co-star in this electrifying dance spectacle directed by Sylvester Stallone. Staying alive. I, I'm going on a limb just early. I'm going to playing my cards on the table i liked it i enjoyed it more or less it was a little boring but the the ending was was pretty strong i mm-hmm. mean that 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 play they did a pretty good job of that production oh yeah yeah i thought it was better much better than some of the other films we have seen by I, far i agree yeah. yeah all right well it was not the first time i had seen it uh being oh, really? in AJL. You no, know, I, I probably it came out when I was in the eighth grade. 
Okay. Oh, hold on. No, no. That would be Saturday Night Fever came mm. out when I was in the eighth grade. This one came out when I was in college. So when I saw it, I don't remember, but I had to see. I, I probably saw it the year it came out. Yeah. Uh, 83, but uh, it had been a long time, but I did vaguely remember it. Mm. So, so I assume there were like lines around your local movie theater. Just <laughs> everyone was vying to get in to see uh, Staying Alive, I assume. It, well, I understand it made a lot of money. I can't remember, you know, when I saw it, what kind of lines mm-hmm. it were, but it, it made a pretty good bit of money. So um, I imagine that was a good year for movies. There were a lot of good movies come out in 83. So, um, you know, could be, I wonder if that has something to do with the fact that it got scored so poorly on Rotten Tomatoes. I don't know, because it wasn't yeah. as good as others. War Games, I don't know if y'all have seen War Games. That came out yeah, in 83. Yeah, yeah. Scarface, oh, wow. Octopussy, James Bond came out in 83. A lot of good movies in 83. <laughs> uh, Return so, of the Jedi. Return of the Jedi, correct, yes. Yeah, good movies in 83. So, oh, yeah. But uh, I do remember it, but when, when I watched it the other day, it was like, oh, yeah, now I remember this. <laughs> it's all coming back. Yeah. Well, I think we should do the, a, a staple now of this program, mm-hmm. which oh, is yeah. the, the time synopses. So I don't – I feel like we should – I should have brought this up before we started, but do you remember what our order was last time? I had the most time, so I'll be okay. in the middle. I think. I think I had 15 seconds. Okay. Eli had 10. I, so, yeah. So, Eli, you should have the 20. Yeah. Okay. We'll give you the 20. Uh, Kylan, take the 15. I'll take the 10. And then, uh, since you're our guest, you get the coveted five second slot where you get to surmise <laughs> everything in uh, <laughs> everything in staying alive in five seconds. So, all right. I could go ahead and share that timer and we can get going okay all right you want me to count you in sure (laughs) all right three two one and go tony monero is an italian-american living in a rich place in new york but he's, all, he's actually very poor and he's not making it because he keeps getting rejected from jobs. He's really into this English chick, even though he seems to be in a relationship with another woman, uh, love triangle. And then he finally gets a job and he is in love with the other person. Oh God. <laughs> that wasn't good. <laughs> a very top heavy. I think it's yeah. sort of the, uh, I think having the biggest slot, you're sometimes like, I've got more. Yeah. Like, what could really be said about this film, but. I think they're a decent summation, a strong, strong setup. Kylan, do you want me to count you in? Oh, yeah. <clears throat> Three, two, one, and go. So John Travolta is in New York. He's in a relationship with this one girl. But wait, he goes and sees her dancing, and this other dancer is British, and he likes her, so he cheats. But then the British chick was using him, and then he goes back to the dance. He takes the lead role. He goes off script. Everyone loves it, and then he walks away to the Bee Gees. <laughs> beautiful that is a lot stronger than mine all right for myself three two one tony rigatoni he likes to dance he likes to cheat everybody uses everybody but do they and then he helps people out they dance a lot and then he leaves other things happen maybe incredible <laughs> beautiful. you didn't even use all your time really it's true i sort of panicked in the middle and i was like but there's nothing to say all right and with the coveted five second slot are you good to let me count you in i'm good all right three two one go dancing everybody uses everybody you can't trust rhythm guitarist new york uh, (laughs) 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 all 
Beautiful. That was one of the best lines. That is so trust a rhythm guitarist. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Look at that hair. He looks like a pervert. Yeah. There were a few good lines, lines in that movie. Yeah. Well, the, the Allstate, the Allstate line that was pretty funny. Which one was that? The Allstate line where he where he said he, he told uh, Tony told the guy that he was that his girl's in good hands, and he said, mm -hmm. "What are you Allstate?" Oh said, yeah, oh, you, you want to, you want some disability or something? <laughs> that was funny. Uh, All right, so so broader strokes. Uh, I'll. <laughs> I'll try to start it off, I guess, and we can sort of piecemeal together specifically what happened because I have a, I just finished this movie like five mm -hmm. minutes before we started and I don't remember that much. Uh, I think it probably starts with a dancing montage. I feel like that's oh, a yeah. safe thing to say. Like a four minute one. <laughs> yeah. it, it was, there are so many, like I would love to see how long this movie would be without all the montages you know, or, or without playing that one song over and over again. Uh, I forget which one it is. Um, <laughs> but uh, yeah, it starts out with Tony Morano, something like that. Tony, something Tony like Rigatoni. Morano, um, something like that. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> he's, he's out there. He's, he's trying to make it. He, he used to live in uh, Brooklyn, but now he moved to Manhattan. Mm -hmm. um, he's, he's sort of just, he lives in a really crummy apartment. He is trying to teach dance classes. He can't really catch a break. He's out trying to sell himself every which way. I can act. I can sing. I can dance. I will do everything except nudity because I promised my mother I wouldn't. You know, it's the standard spiel. Um, he Maybe goes. She was to... worried I would get cold. <laughs> <laughs> I I appreciate that his mother then becomes a character in the movie because I thought she was going to be like oh, we just mentioned her like once. And then it's just like mm -hmm. at a certain point, it's just like, yeah, I'm calling home and I'm just going back for pie, you know, just <laughs> kind of hanging out. <laughs> but uh, he, he goes to a, a Broadway audition, I believe, and he sees uh, like the lead dancing in the practice, right? And he goes to her, um, her dressing room. Also, just, his girlfriend was his girlfriend was dancing at this same show. Yes. Yeah, yeah. She invited to the him to group. go there. Yeah. So, are they like? Were they officially? I don't know. Are we to understand that they were properly dating, or were they just like on again, off again? On again, off again, really. Yeah, like a loose yeah. thing. Yeah. I tell you that scene when he walks into her dressing room and actually does it twice, and then he says he respects her womanhood. <laughs> I don't think so. <laughs> I respect your womanhood. I just don't respect your privacy. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> well, that is a very interesting thing because I think there's a very, I think he's sort of played more as a hero, but I think a lot of the things that you, he did, I think if you recontextualize them now and mm -hmm. tried to do them, it would be, be played off as a jerk, like being very insistent. So like, she, so she's very like assertive and she's like, she, she gets close, she slams the door like his solution, like all of ours, when a woman slams the door in your face, is just open it again and just keep persisting. <laughs> um, there's a there's a similar there's a similar scene where um, he well, eventually when he gets the role right, like he mm -hmm. is out in the hallway. Uh, he meets her, and she's like, "I have a lot of like I have a lot of commitments. Like I you know I um, don't want to go out with you right now." And he goes, 
or she's like listing all the things that she would have to like drop right and like he just keeps like inching forward and he, he does that classic move where he puts his his arm up like on the wall behind them and just sort of like leans in which is i would say pretty creepy um and <laughs> you know it's like a, a very much like a not a move i think today that would be contextualized as like like a cool thing to do um <laughs> sign of the times i guess you know but uh, I just I thought that was interesting because um, it's very much like, you know, he's played much as like the guy who can't catch a break. And that's, you know, but he's just is very, very insistent. Get ready for more of that in the first one. If you ever oh, yeah. That. Oh, my. Yes. <laughs> it's played a little differently in the first one, though. But anyway, yeah. so focus on staying alive. Uh, so true. Yeah. yeah. So, so he's insistent in the dressing room to no avail. But she, well, maybe kind of, because she says, hey, come back to the audition tomorrow. You know, like, there are two parts. Um, it seems implied that she, like, probably put in a good word for him or something. Mm-hmm. Um, because he ends up getting the part in the Broadway show. Um, they go, he sort of, like, smooth talks or whatever. And eventually, like, they have, like, a, a date. Um, they go out. It's basically a one-night stand. And he's, like, you know, he's, like, we're in love now and she's like i don't even know who you are jimmy and he's like it's tony but okay <laughs> um at that point she's just like is is that when she's like everybody uses everybody mm-hmm. or that would mean this a little later but uh essentially the same scene but a second time yeah they, they said you liked it the once you love it twice yeah uh, which i assume is the the same process when they remade saturday night fever <laughs> I don't know how some of those movies are because I haven't seen the first one, but we'll get to it. But he, but he gets it. He gets in the performance. He's practicing. Um, Jackie, his, his on again, off again, girlfriend uh, gets mad because Tony's a jerk and constantly like doesn't follow through on any of the plans that they make. (laughs) Um, And so she says, we'll only be friends. And then immediately in the next scene, they're no longer only friends again, but you know, it's, it's cool. He's totally learned his lesson. Um, so he, you know, he keeps practicing. They, he gets like the call up within the performance in order to help, like, essentially he's like, he gets sort of like pushed into the lead role, right? Like working alongside the, the woman, what was her, um, Laura, Laura. Yeah. He, alongside Laura, uh, in, in that lead position. And she's sort of upset about it first and he's upset about it at first because he's he's insecure that people are laughing at them for practicing <laughs> in the audition uh, which and i thought he, was interesting yeah then the choreographer yells at him or whatever and he mm-hmm. comes back out to a montage of dancing with her in front of everyone and he nails it this time so he oh, yeah. is officially the lead and the mm-hmm. other guy is upset about it who was the lead understandably Fairly. so yeah <laughs> <laughs> this guy who has no experience comes in and <laughs> takes your job and you're just like what i've been doing this for years <laughs> well now now john travolta had a lot of experience or i guess i should say tony from mm-hmm. from for, for six years he was quite the disco dancer which we will talk about later okay excellent in our in our reporting segment where you guys get to debrief us on what happened in the first movie <laughs> which i'm excited to hear about yeah um but yeah so all that happens it seems like things are going pretty well they have laura and tony have this weird animosity but they're they're doing generally well in the actual dancing component. Um, I believe it. And then uh, the relationship with Jackie is like getting stronger and they seem like they're more consistent in a better place. It, 
Uh, we get to opening night. Um, Tony is in the lead. Uh, Tony's mom is in the audience. That's my son. Did you know he's the lead? <laughs> um, it's a it's a it's a classic Broadway um, dance opera about you know being in hell, but you're trying to get to heaven. I mean, who doesn't? <laughs> Someone should check the theology on that. But I like it. Um, I really enjoyed when um, when it starts and there's all like the the sort of like devil iconography and mm-hmm. Tony's mom very furiously gives the sign of the cross <laughs> in the Broadway scene. I did very much enjoy that. Um, and they, and they dance a while because it's a very long montage, but then I didn't totally what I, I maybe slightly missed Maybe you guys could fill this in, but like something happened that before he went off script, like something happened that like made her upset with yeah. Tony. So at the end of the first like section of it at the very end, he's just supposed to like dip or whatever, but he ends mm-hmm. up going for the kiss, which he isn't supposed to do. So she like claws at him and like, he has a big cut on his face now that's bleeding mm-hmm. throughout the rest of the performance. So she's upset with him for that. And the director was like, yo, you got to keep your personal feelings out of this and just do what we've written mm-hmm. or whatever. Which is re- very reasonable. <laughs> uh, and then he, his solution to that is to just keep going off script even more <laughs> because he, instead of letting her go, just spins her around a bunch and then throws her off the side of the stage. <laughs> Um, and then and he does sort of a does, solo. Does his, <laughs> I love the guy in the back where he's like, I didn't tell him to do a solo. Which I like the, the implication that there would be a situation where it's just like, yeah, I know we practiced this show for months, but I just, in the very last moment, I just want you to go off and improv and do your own thing. Like that. <laughs> if you feel. I, yeah, yeah, yeah. I was just surprised that, man, what professionals that they were able to recover, you know? And mm-hmm. then. But they, they say at the last moment, apparently Tony's improvisation is all that they needed. And it really took the show over the edge. You know, he, he had a vision in mind and it paid off. Uh, the crowd, you know, they love it. You know, standing ovations all around. Uh, Tony leaves after the performance. He decides to strut around. He, he is asked what he wants to do. He's, I, I'm pent up. He said, I, w- one thing I want to do right now. And he said, strut. <laughs> Wouldn't you know it? It's staying alive. He walks out into the New York sh- streets. We get good shots of John Travolta's butt. And as he, he, he struts along and we roll the credits. And that's so right movie, before baby. you roll the credits, he fades away. <laughs> they stop it and then he fades out. I, t- I must have missed that. <laughs> what a film. What a film. It was beautiful. <laughs> it was quite a change in the music from the, uh, uh, from the play, which had kind of orchestral music, some rock in it. Mm-hmm. And then it goes to the disco song. Yeah. <laughs> it is Which quite has a tonal shift. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> All right. So I've got some some trivia. Ooh. Now, the Excellent. first question, Eli already said the answer to before when we were talking. I've but I'll forgotten. ask it anyway, yeah. because the audience doesn't know. <laughs> Which 90s sitcom dad is heavily focused on during the opening credits as a choreographer? <laughs> A, Al Bundy from Married with Children. B, Red Foreman from That 70s Show. C, Danny Tanner from Full House. D, Carl Winslow from Family Matters. Or E, Homer Simpson from The Simpsons. <laughs> well, considering I already answered it, uh, yeah. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to not say in case there are any audience members yeah, yeah. here earlier. Uh, 
my guess based entirely on names that I remember from us talking <laughs> about them before, I would say Red Foreman from the 70s show. It is Red Foreman. That's who I'd go with, yeah. Because yeah. Eli <laughs> mentioned it earlier. I was like, yeah. no. I literally would have no, had no idea otherwise. <laughs> he, he's in like the very first montage for like 10 seconds. Yeah, and he never <laughs> says anything. <laughs> I was a big fan because the rest of the movie, I was like, that was Red Foreman, right? I thought it was going to come back, but he never did. Yeah, I was disappointed he didn't. Sad. Okay, question number two. Following the commercial success of Staying Alive, Paramount Pictures considered casting Salone and Travolta to star in which movie that would come out later? A, Wayne's World. B, Braveheart. C, The Godfather Part 3. D, Friday the 13th, 6, Jason Lives, or E, Pet Cemetery. Ooh. Hmm. Name the name A again. Wayne's World. <laughs> I have no idea. I say B, Braveheart. All right. What was what was C? I'm trying to, I'm just trying to wait. C was one. The Godfather Part 3. I'll go with that one. <laughs> what was E? Pet Cemetery. I'm gonna have to go with Pet Cemetery. Well, John Siglin was the one who was correct. Yeah, it's the Italian <laughs> they, connection. It's the Italian can, connection. Yeah, <laughs> they can they be can, Scottish. <laughs> <laughs> they can play it off. I would like to see that too. Who were they, they considered? <laughs> they were going to be. It was just going to be like different characters, like a rival uh, drug group, and yeah. then later on, Al Pacino and all the other stars said they would do it, so they dropped the idea. But initially, they considered Godfather Part 3, John Travolta, Sylvester Stallone. I would have really liked if they did that, but they kept they kept their uh, the Tony character specifically yeah. from this film. And so it's a it's a mob, but they're a dancing mob. You know, they, they, they pull out the knife, but it's the comb, right? And they slick yeah. it back, and then they <laughs> sort of approach. <laughs> they get shot immediately. <laughs> We weren't built for this world. <laughs> All right. The final question. So we already touched on the fact that Staying Alive was a commercial success. Made $65 million. Mm. It was ranked as the eighth highest grossing film from the year 1983. Oh. Only one of the following films made more money at the box office than Staying Alive in North America. Okay. Which one? A. Risky Business. <laughs> B. Scarface. C. The Big Chill. D. National Lampoon's Vacation, or E, War Games? All of them. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to go with Scarface. I'm also going with Scarface. That would be my guess as well. It was War Games. No, that was my other one. <laughs> For some reason, I always feel like War Games is like a sleeper hit. I don't know why. Oh, yeah. Like it it was... didn't do that well, but I guess it did. Yeah, War Games, it was like fifth or sixth box office that year yeah and it kind of has still a cult following it's a good mm -hmm. movie yeah. yeah we watched but, it what like what two years ago for 80s yeah. when you were in that 80s pop culture class yeah yeah i mean it stars matthew broderick so it has to be good you can't go wrong mm. <laughs> <laughs> i've seen tower heist <laughs> <laughs> all right all right we want to move into the uh, segment where you all tell us about Saturday Night Fever or me and John make predictions about what we think happened in that movie. 
let's, based yeah, on what happened first, and staying alive. Let's first yeah, make our predictions. Because okay. Kylan, you and I, we know nothing about Saturday Night Fever. Yeah. Um, other than that, we all have it. We're dying to get it, you know, and <laughs> I'll do whatever it takes. Um, but do, do you have any specific predictions about what you think happened in that first movie? Well, I know the Bee Gees music is in it. Mm-hmm. So I assume that John Travolta does a bunch of disco dancing. And I can only assume that based on their being dancing, it is very similar to the cult classic Roller Boogie, where they have to dance to save a club or something. Mm. Interesting. That is my guess. That, that is incredibly similar to what I was about <laughs> to say, because I was going to say, I can only assume that it is, since it, it, it would be more in that era, that it was the same movie, but John Travolta was on roller skates. And they, <laughs> I, if I if I were to to modify it a little bit more to try to try to stand out from yours, I would say that probably what happens is okay because it's based in he's in Brooklyn, right? Correct. Um, um, and I can think of another famous New York figure from Brooklyn, if I remember correctly, that, that also would be in a movie from an earlier time, or at least a movie set in an earlier time. Mm-hmm. So I can only assume that John Travolta either was Captain America in early 1930s <laughs> Brooklyn, that makes sense. Uh, as he's as he's figuring out that uh, super soldier serum, or he was dancing alongside the man who would become it. You know, maybe they have to maybe they have to outdance Hydra in order to get that serum mm-hmm. in order to sense. win the war. So I'm assuming that's what that's happened. Close. I assume it goes far back that <laughs> he barely aged today. Okay. Well, you're both absolutely correct. 100%. Thank you. Um, how do we even describe what the movie was? One way I would start, Eli, I would say this. It starts with the song Staying Alive mm. and a strut is- in Brooklyn. Mm. And so Saturday night, or rather, in the, it starts with the song, but he's in Brooklyn. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then, of course, Staying Alive ends with the song. So that's the tie in there. Yeah, uh, it's it's a film that starts a bunch of storylines that sort of seem to end, but then they all culminate together at the end. Mm. Uh, which at first I didn't like, but the more I think about it, the more I actually really like this movie. Um, essentially, he's he's living in Brooklyn, right? Yeah, the great disco dancer. He hits up this club called Two Thousand and One Odyssey yeah. uh, a couple nights a week. All the girls love him. Uh, also, this movie is not PG <laughs> at all. There's swearing, there's nudity, th- lots of, lots of <laughs> stuff. Not to, interrupt, never do not to interrupt you, but if you remember in, uh, in this movie, Staying Alive, he, he mentions that he's mm-hmm. kind of cleaned up his life. I don't cuss anymore, I don't drink, mm-hmm. I don't smoke, which infers he used to do that. He was a bad guy in the first movie. He's, he's ahead, not Eli. good, yeah. He's um, not good. Yeah. So, let's see. How does it start exactly? He has a job at a paint shop that he basically just uses to go to 2001 Space Odyssey twice a week um, and support his family because uh, he lives with his parents. He's 19 in the first one, something 19. like that. Um, his dad doesn't have a job and neither does his mom. So he's supporting the family. Mm-hmm. Uh, and his brother comes home. This is one of the, I, I might just start bringing up plot points, like the individual storylines and just have them end at the end. His brother comes home He's left the priesthood. He gads, right? Uh, yeah. 
his brother who was sort of the the darling child and tony is the the nothing kid um, black sheep even though, yeah. yeah even though tony is the one now supporting the entire family uh but yeah so his brother leaves the priesthood that whole plot line basically just summed up is don't be what our parents tell you to be because mm. the brother didn't really want to be a priest but it was more his parents sort of pushed him into that so i thought okay that's a nice little story just you know don't be what your parents are trying to make do what you want to do uh another one it and i know i'm just naming random plot storylines but this is really how it's presented in the film um what's another one dad well one of the things that that stood out to me in 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 the saturday night fever was just really just how bad they were and Mm -hmm. the accent was really strong and they intentionally backed off of his brooklyn accent for staying alive but in this movie uh, saturday night uh fever uh i mean they were they they beat up a a a puerto rican gang who hadn't probably done anything because they thought they had injured one of their because he had a posse you know Mm -hmm. a lot of these groups Mm -hmm. they kind of hang in groups and and uh so uh, Tony and his buddies, one of them got beaten up coming from the grocery store. So they just, he thought it was the Puerto Rican gang that did it. So they just went and beat these, this, this gang up, you know, violently. And uh, their relationships with girls was really, really bad. And this was in 1987. I think, no, 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 no. 1977, 77. Mm-hmm. So it was kind of, um, um, and I think it might be partly why they, to- they, they, they kind of cleaned it up for the second movie. This was right before AIDS. I think there could have been some HIV in the late 70s, but we didn't hear about it till the early 80s. So the late, so this was in the late 70s, and I think that uh, they wanted to kind of move away from that. But uh, Eli, if you remember, one of his friends, I can't remember his name, got a girl pregnant. Mm-hmm. And he actually asked Tony's brother, who was no longer a priest, would the Pope give him a special dispensation for her to have an abortion, <laughs> which was strange. Uh, but there's like, probably not. <laughs> he's, yeah, I don't think we can do that. But he, had, he, he asked anyway, well, this, this young boy was really troubled because uh, everybody wanted him to marry his pregnant girlfriend. He didn't want to do that. And Eli, they were, they had this, uh, this place, this bridge, it's called the Verrazano Narrows Bridge. That's between Staten Island and uh, Brooklyn that they would go and hang out on a lot and they would really do really dangerous things on the edge of this bridge. Well, if you want to take from here, one of his friends and they were drunk. Yeah. Uh, so they, the they've, come from, they've come from the 2001 odyssey. Um, they're, they're hanging out on the bridge, but this guy who's gotten his girlfriend pregnant, who's clearly been having it really rough and no one's really been paying attention to him. Like he's not getting good advice. Yeah. Yeah. Like he's like, what do I do? He's just like, everyone just tells me you have to marry her. And he's like, but I don't want to. And I need someone to talk to me about this. Uh, so he's drunk. He sort of gets on this, this long sort of stretch with nothing under it, except for the water. Um, and they're like, hey, hey, you know, come off of it. And he's, he's not doing it just as like, I'm going to jump off and die. He's like just playing around sort of. Mm-hmm. Um, but he falls even after they try and get him and he falls. Um, there's a line where a cop, you know, the cops come and they're like, he doesn't really seem like he killed himself. And John Travolta, uh, Tony Monero says, there's ways of killing yourself without killing yourself. Yeah. <laughs> Which, I get what he was saying. Yeah, you know, that yeah. was a decent point. but it's, I didn't think it was written very well. But so that's another one of the plot points. Um, there's, there is like in Roller Boogie, which 
like I thought, I also too thought, this is kind of like Roller Boogie. Mm-hmm. Um, there's a competition at the 2000, there's a dance competition, right? Yes. Um, so $500 reward. Yeah. It's, and there's also a similar thing where he's after one girl to be his partner, but there's another girl that likes him. There's mm. kind of a similar thing there. Um, but him and the one girl uh, practice a bunch. They go, they dance, they do really well. But then this Puerto Rican couple come out and they're so obviously better um, than anyone else, right? Um, and all of his friends are like, boo, like booing the Puerto Ricans. But Tony, who's woke, um, says... Suddenly become what are you guys booing? Beating them yeah, up? He's like, they're, <laughs> they're better. <laughs> um, so, but it ends up, his friends rigged the competition to make Tony win first place. Mm-hmm. And the Puerto Ricans win second. They're still happy with second. But he's very pissed at his friends. Um, and he gives the Puerto Ricans the first place uh, reward and trophy. Mm. Um, basically, all of these storylines culminate into him saying, uh, all my friends are trash. Um, and he, he's also kind of like, I'm not really good either. Because um, he, he sort of is very uh, aggressive with his partner. Um, one could almost call it rape. It, it, it was an attempt. Yeah, yeah, it was an attempt. He's not good. Um, she needs him and runs away. Um, mm-hmm. Basically, the movie ends. He, he stays on a subway all night, and he's just, you know, he's just thinking alone on the subway. Um, and he goes and he finds his partner. Um, and she's like, why should I talk to you? You're a rapist. And he's like, <laughs> he's like yeah, it's definitely, I, I was surprised they went with it. Um, and he's like, I'll stay over here. You know, I'm not going to try and do anything. And she lets him in, which I would not advise, but she lets him in. Uh, and he's just like, I don't like my life. I don't like, you know, the people I know. I want to make something of myself uptown, that kind of thing. Uh, and she's like, okay, yeah. And he apologizes to her. Um, and it, and then they basically just decide we'll be friends, which is very, very uh, nice of her, I guess. But again, wouldn't advise it. But that's mm. how the movie ends. Um it's so much better than staying alive. Yeah. There was a couple of things in there I liked. There was uh, his, uh, Eli was talking about the uh, subway trip that he took. That was from Manhattan to his place in Bay Ridge, uh, Brooklyn. Mm-hmm. And in, in staying alive, he walks that same distance. Uh, and that distance, I, I had to look it up and say, how long would it take? I've been in New York a few times. I've got to look up and say how long it would take to walk that distance four and a half hours. So he basically <laughs> walked through the night. Which, and it's like, why would you walk when there's subways and there's taxis yeah. and, you know, <laughs> but, but he walks his entire day. Cause I guess he wanted to think. And, mm. uh, but anyway, yeah. So there were some tie-ins uh, mm. to both movies definitely tied together. I'm trying to apologize to his mom. Like eat more pie. <laughs> I did yeah, enjoy I- that. I definitely thought that was probably one of the best scenes in Staying Alive, but maybe that's just because we had seen Saturday like him Night go, Like him going home to his mom? Yeah, maybe. yeah. I, th- I thought, because, but I think it might have been just because it had the context of the first movie and what their relationship was. That makes sense, because I had absolutely no context. I was like, all right, so yeah. he went home to eat some pie, I guess. <laughs> yeah, it means a lot more knowing how they interacted in the first one. Mm-hmm. And I guess it just infers that the dad is is dead because he yeah, wasn't yeah, cause or gone, yeah, or just, just gone, there. yeah, just not there, yeah. All right, so the next segment is our uh, our sequel pitches, right? Ooh, yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah, I got a good sequel ready. 
I hadn't thought about it. Okay, you go first. Yeah, go hit hit us with it. You already recording? Yes. Oh yeah, we're oh yeah, we're in. So my pitch. So the movie Staying Alive has a very specific niche of dancing fans and John Travolta. (laughs) Now to expand upon this, (laughs) I am going to bring in sci-fi fans and fans of historical epics. Okay. Gladiator. The way I plan to do this, yes, Gladiator. My <laughs> sequel is just Gladiator. So, John Travolta at one point dances so fast that he is shot back in time to 1518 to the <laughs> Dancing Plague. And he has to teach everyone to do a really good dance to snap them out of it and That's save good. all the people of wherever that was in England. <laughs> That'd be really intense. There's a lot of people died from that. Oh yeah, this John is a, Travolta will save them. Wait, this is a real, this is a real thing. The dancing yeah, plague. Yes, there was like a mass that? hysteria thing where uh-huh. people just couldn't stop dancing, and they would like dance until they fell over huh. from exhaustion. No one really knows why it happened. In 1518, you said. Yeah, and I looked it up. It was in France. Ah, uh, interesting. But yeah, people think it may have been like um, on some mushrooms or like collective water poisoning or something. But yeah, everyone in the town pretty much just started dancing for Mm. days in a row. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, History. Kylan, Kylan, your sequel, uh, which I love uh, and is definitely in the works, reminds me of my sequel, which is also in the works. Um, (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) <laughs> because you mentioned dancing and John Travolta, right? Yeah. So here is my sequel. Yeah, here's my sequel that is already in the works uh, and also already exists. Um, it's it's more of a universal tie-in uh, than anything, mm. than something new that I'm creating. Um, my my film would more serve as a in-between between two existing films, right? So at the end of Staying Alive, uh, he's he struts as we all saw. Um, Here's my thing. I think he struts so far. He's just riding this, this wave of good, good feelings. Good good vibes. vibes. Yeah. He struts uh, all the way to the beach. Um, And then he realizes he doesn't know where he is anymore (laughs) because he's strut too far. Um, And so he's just sort of, you know, walking up and down this beach, trying to find a, uh, some sort of causeway, some sort of landmark when he sees who is it? There's some girl out in the water. I think she might be drowning. So he he takes off his his jacket and then, mm-hmm. you know he swims out there. He pulls her out and she says her name is Sandra D. Uh, and then he enrolls <laughs> at a local high school. Uh, I love and just it. Ties right into Greece. So that's my sequel. That's incredible. Can- that's canon now. I think I think that's true. Yeah. I think my sequel. Uh, mm-hmm. It's sort of like Kylan's. There's a sci-fi element to it. It's really it's going to incorporate um, concepts and themes from another movie, mm-hmm. um, but but it will be entirely dealt with John Travolta. So, okay. all right. So, it's been about thirty-five years or so mm-hmm. since the events of Staying Alive. It's it's effectively modern day. Uh, John Travolta, a.k.a. Tony Rigatoni, 
Um, this is still, <laughs> I assume he's moved farther up in the city. Um, not, not necessarily like in elevation, but just like geographically, he's moved whatever the borough behind uh, Manhattan would be because he's always progressing. You know, maybe he's in Albany by now. Um, but uh, anyways, so he's, he's living his nice, his retired life. He's basically, he's teaching. He's sort mm-hmm. of like, oh, well, he's not really retired. He wishes he could, but, you know, he can't afford to retire. Who can in this economy? Um, but he's, he's teaching adjunct. He's a professor of dance in a, a small university in upstate Albany, New York. Mm-hmm. Um, that is until the incident happens. A number of unmarked, uh, seemingly inhuman monuments have appeared above major U.S. cities. It okay. seems that there is a uh, possibly a race of space aliens that is trying to establish contact with okay. the human race. That makes However, sense. we can't crack it. We don't know who. <laughs> nobody, knows, nobody knows how to get in contact with them. They're just here, but we don't know what to say. <laughs> Amy Adams is out that day. <laughs> so this is the version of Arrival where they go to the next best right. thing. Well, they go, well, the world's best linguist isn't available. So what is the universal language but dance? <laughs> they call Tony Rigatoni up on the phone. Tony, we need you in here. He's able to emote and express enough to establish contact with the, with the cephalopods from the movie Arrival. Uh, and he's able to establish contact in whatever form that takes. That's, that's broad strokes. I think that's what would happen in the, in the modern day sequel yeah, yeah. to staying alive. Fantastic sequel. Beautiful. To my turn? Yeah. Yes, yeah, yeah. absolutely. Okay. So in my sequel, um, uh, Tony has gotten a phone call from, this is just a couple of years later, and okay. Tony had gotten a phone call from the White House. And uh, um, he wasn't exactly sure what. So he goes down to, to, to D.C., mm-hmm. and uh, Secret Service takes him, and he meets Ronald Reagan, the, who was the president at the time. And, I, you know, Ronald Reagan was a bit of an actor himself. And Ronald says, so we've got true. a problem. Tony, we need your help. Uh, this is really important. We need your help with this um, because they have outlawed dancing in, in East Germany. And kind of like in, you know, kind of like in the, uh, uh, what's that, uh, that, that one with Kevin Bacon where you couldn't dance? Footloose. Illegal, like, Footloose. Footloose, yes, yes. And he said it's kind of the same thing, you know, so we, we, we've got to do something because I need you to help me learn to dance. And so he gives him secretly dance lessons. And him and Ronald Reagan, they go over. By the way, the name of this movie will be Tear Down That Wall. So they go over there and they, and they, they bring dancing back to East Germany. Uh, tearing down the wall. I, I love it. I can only assume, I can only assume it culminates when they finish teaching the East Germans how to dance that the that collectively the society does sort of a hip thrust towards the wall and it knocks the wall yeah, that down. That would be awesome. That would be awesome. And down comes the wall. I love it. Who does the soundtrack? Do what? Who does the soundtrack? Uh, the Scorpions. Oh, okay. Yes. Okay. I was thinking Hasselhoff, but that works too. David Hasselhoff? Well, he was at the wall <laughs> when it came down. You guys remember okay. when we saw that piece of the of the Berlin Wall? Mm. Oh, yeah. That's pretty cool. Was that Cincinnati? Yeah. Yeah. Piece of history. So It true. was very cool. Yeah. All right. What now, boys? Do we have another segment in mind? We got our superlatives. 
our superlatives. Wow, that's right. Does anyone have a superlative that they want to hit us with first? I'm going to say best use of the director who's also a movie star bumping into the movie star on the street for about two seconds, looking at him and then leaving. Mm. I would agree. Great. Best one I've seen so far. Uh, this is a difficult one because I feel like mm. there's not a lot of crazy stuff happening in this movie. You know? Yeah. I'm going to give... I'm going to give John Travolta the award for best haircut out of any zero Oscars film so far. <laughs> uh, that is high <laughs> praise. Yeah. If, if I think, I think if I were to have to give it a superlative, I would say best use of improvisational spinning and then throwing of a woman who is British, but is also in a Broadway <laughs> musical <laughs> dance number. <laughs> I would say that's pretty effective. Mm. I would give a superlative to the best uh, dialogue between mom and son that involves time. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> Incredible. Oh, one I just came up with. The best dissing of rhythm guitarists ever. <laughs> <laughs> that is a great one. That was great. What a line. <laughs> so, uh, boys, I've, oh, wait, did you already? Hmm? Hey, go ahead. No, I already went. I was going to ask if we were going to do our, uh, what was our other thing? Don't we have another? Change a, change a scene or something? Yeah. If you could change we're going to do that now. Yeah, let's do it. Okay. So, so if we could change a one, scene within the movie? A scene. A scene change or, one thing about the movie? I'll, I'll go first on that if I can. Please do. I want to do that before Eli steals my thunder. <laughs> Speaking of uh, of Tony bumping into uh, Sylvester Stallone with his cameo, I would have had that when Sylvester Stallone turned around, he would have said to Tony, hey, you want to go? Because if you want to go, we can go. <laughs> and, and Tony would have misunderstood what he meant because Tony being the disco dancer and the dancer that mm -hmm. he is would have thought he wanted to do like a, a, a dance fight off or something. And so he starts dancing in the street and then Sylvester Stone just kind of looks at him and just walks away. So, yeah, yeah. He both escalated and diffused the situation unknowingly. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I saw that once on the middle, by the way, that same thing. <laughs> Excellent. I think I'm going to replace the guy who played the uh, director of the uh, musical with um, Gary Busey. Gary Busey now plays it. No, wait, I take it back. Gilbert Gottfried. Oh. Gilbert Gottfried. <laughs> he plays it with all the seriousness. Yeah, yeah. The gravitas uh, is his. <laughs> um, my change is a simple one and a subtle one that viewers yeah. may not notice on a, on a first listen. Uh, so, what's the name of the English woman? What's her name? Laura? Laura. 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 Um, she would keep her English accent, but I would change the region and it would be a Cockney English accent. <laughs> I think it would be a subtle change. That is a subtle and effective change. Do you know an interesting thing? They never tell us in the movie where she gets her wealth. I was wondering about this because they yeah. never follow, they make a point to call it out. 
And he's like, you would have to have done 10 Broadway shows in order to afford this furniture. Oh, yeah. Like, that kind of never... living. Yeah, you don't get that yeah. kind of living from Broadway shows. Whose limo is this? Do we want to yeah. <laughs> Do we want to speculate how she got it? Yes. <laughs> uh, let me see. So she's an English woman with a lot of money. I'm going to mm-hmm. say she wrote a hit children's magic uh, book series. <laughs> and she went back in time (laughs) she went back in time after getting canceled in the present day she went back in time to live out her wealth the only way she knew how i think that the character could only have gotten that kind of wealth from being involved being the creator of the ponzi scheme that afflicted (laughs) the cast of megaforce (laughs) (laughs) give that money back (laughs) i i think it might have happened I think she is the daughter of an esteemed murder mystery novelist. Okay. Um, and I think she, she got it there. And I think she, the condition in order to get the money, because obviously she doesn't need to dance for a living, right? Like she seems mm-hmm. like she's just independently wealthy. Yeah. The only way that, that she would be let in on her mother's will and inheritance is if she goes and lives out scenarios that to, in order to prep for her mom's books. Mm-hmm. So her mom's like go get in a broadway show and then murder someone and then see what it's like and then tell me all the details (laughs) so she's she's moving from town to town putting on different hats constantly as as it were yeah i'm not as creative as you all i can't come up with one maybe she was a love child of queen elizabeth i don't know (laughs) i think it's 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 a good guess as possible (laughs) it's so possible want to give our uh, our rankings of the movie mm-hmm. so first question will be do you think this deserves a zero percent and then Wait, what will you give it on a one to ten scale I, I don't think i did my change oh you didn't yeah yeah, yeah. Oh, do it john do um, it really quickly yeah my change would be uh, similar to eli's would be simple and subtle i would take out the dancing and i would replace it with them doing their taxes <laughs> and it's now an accountancy <laughs> firm because i like the idea of having a lot of serious dramatic montages where it's just sort of someone like hunched over and they're just they're just punching the ad button on their calculator um, i think that would be really fun um and I, I assume instead of a broadway opening night it's like april 14th mm, yeah what <laughs> anyways the, what the name of the movie changed uh it would still be staying on because <laughs> okay, yeah. they would play all the same music about uh, yeah <laughs> it would be well because they're they're about to get cracked down for tax evasion and so mm. they're trying to stay alive they're trying to keep the firm alive <laughs> anyways <laughs> okay so did this movie deserve a zero percent and what do we rate it mm-hmm. yeah I would say absolutely it didn't deserve a zero. Uh, I'd give it a five and a half. Out of ten? Yeah. Very reasonable. I would I would probably I would definitely say I don't think it deserved a zero. I think of any of the ones, I think this is one of the the least deserving. It's kind of like boring in parts because I don't particularly mm-hmm. care for dance montages, but it's mm-hmm. all like very well shot. Yeah. Um, and it's like it's it's not bad like it's it you know just because it's not really my genre doesn't mean that mm-hmm. it's a, a bad movie i think it does what it's trying to do very well um and i would say i'd probably give it like a six and a half out of ten okay. i would probably give it a six out of ten i do not think it deserved a zero 
um, in context, you know, me and Eli have seen uh, Saturday Night Fever. It made it a lot better because you understood some of the mm. stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, some of the dialogue was awful. Uh, some of the dialogue was pretty good. Um, the production was pretty good. That ending, I thought the Broadway production was was pretty good for it not to really be a Broadway production. Yeah, yeah. And uh, uh, that, and then still to have the nice uh, "Stand Alive" BG song at the end was a great, great mm. song. I roller skated to that song when I was in the eighth grade, by the way. Yes. Uh, so. You know, some of those songs bring back memories, but mm-hmm. uh, no way that it, it deserved a zero. Um, you know, Sylvester Stallone um, uh, produced it, or at least co-produced it. And I think if he had left it edgy, you know, his movie Rocky was really edgy in Philadelphia, mm-hmm. the first one. And then they, they took that edge away, and I thought that hurt it. But I think they did the same thing with this. If they'd have kept that edge that, that Saturday Night Fever had, I think you all would be really probably scoring it higher, but mm-hmm. I would give it a six. Yeah. Do you think that's probably why it was critiqued really poorly because it was I, following I up do. a movie that's much grittier? Mm-hmm. I do think so. I absolutely. And they did it intentionally get the PG rating. Yeah. Uh, and, it, and it harmed it. Yeah. Mm. Uh, I also do not think it deserved a zero. At the very least, there are dance fans who would like this movie. <laughs> so I think a zero means there's nothing good, but there was definitely some good. So. I think out of 10, I'd probably give it a four and a half, maybe a five. But yeah. It, it is difficult to try and compare this to the other movies we watched. Cause this is to me so much better. Mm-hmm. It's head and shoulders better than anything we've watched, but I'm also trying to keep it on the 10 scale. Yeah. So it's like, it is so much better, but at the same time, I can't give it much higher than I have. Cause right. then I feel like I'm starting to get into like good movie scores. Mm-hmm. Uh, which I wouldn't call this good. I think this is a good movie. It's definitely not bad. I would say it's it's middling, which I think is is why I gave it a five and a half. It's definitely much better than stuff like I would say Manos. They saved Hitler's brain. Yeah, Citizen all those Kane, things. Yeah, Casablanca. Yeah, yeah. yeah, just just general. Yeah, <laughs> we're not making Casablanca here. <laughs> okay. Yeah. All right. I think we've done it, boys. It's been a pleasure. John Wolfenbarger, thank you so thank much you. for your thank appearance. You. It's been a pleasure. Thank you so much for having me. <laughs> I really have enjoyed this. <laughs> and uh, Kylan, what movie are we watching next week? Let me check. I think it was called The Lonely Lady, but I need to make sure that was the name of it. Oh, that doesn't sound good. <laughs> it's yeah, also, sound good. <laughs> it is also from 1983. The Lonely Lady. What's its rating, Kylan? <laughs> um it's a zero percent no you mean like let me rated. look it up it is rated r yeah i can only predict that movie <laughs> <laughs> but the week after we get to watch a movie about um a guy playing an atlanta braves player so i'm gonna enjoy mm. that oh that would be good yeah. that's interesting are we There's, haven't we haven't seen an r-rated movie yet on this show have we that's correct so next week will be the first one and then we're still, we're so close, about a month away from those sweet Police Academy movies. <laughs> <laughs> What's our plan with those? Because uh, I know we were going to have people, like we had me watch the, the previous film for Staying mm-hmm. Alive, but there are like seven of those movies. <laughs> yeah, well, we'll have to watch like four through seven. Mm-hmm. And I think I've seen one and two already. Okay. So. Do we... 
that's a lot of movies to like yeah. go through the synopsis. We could of. we could split them up as well. Like oh, like, like someone watches one, someone watches like two. I could watch one, Kylan watches two, you watch three. Yeah, okay. we'll we'll Works. figure something out. Police Academy is going to be a fun time. <laughs> okay. All right. Well, farewell, boys. Farewell. Thank thank you, gentlemen. Thank, thank you. you. Bye bye. See ya.